I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Did you first play? I bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Good morning, campers. Welcome to your first, last, and only podcast about the Vietnam War through film. I am Matthew Yeagle. I'm Eric Jones. And I believe... I'm Troy Fisher. Oh, hey, Troy. Troy. Oh, man, he wasn't even waiting. A man that knows me almost better than any human being. He knows every inch of me. And he thinks it's actually a very beautiful sight. Oh, man, Troy. I like like how you like Donald. That's awesome. (laughs) Got you. No, that was you about me. Oh, sorry. Got the script mixed up. Yeah. Or or something. It's 2022. We don't have to have toxic, you know, male sort of. We can can, can appreciate that Matt's got a, you know, beautiful human being. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Speaking of... uh, Beautiful human beings? Toxic masculinity. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, What film are we watching today, gentlemen? Today, uh... The film. You talking to me? You talking? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. They call me the taxi driver. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, taxi driver. Yeah, Tro- um, Troy's the only one here. So Troy, what are we watching? Uh, taxi driver or something? I think. Sweet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, this cool. film is uh, is like this podcast. It's. Uh, you know, one of the best things ever out there in, in the history of uh, entertainment. And uh, it's, yeah, I mean, how do you, how would you, we've all probably done some reading, reading and examining what people have to say about this. Where do they, where do they put this on their pantheon of movies? This uh, good old 1976 taxi driver. Yeah, it's up there. Um, you know, that kind of that grit 1970s feel is really no more present than in this movie. Um, and uh, it, I maybe have commented on this before on this podcast, but, you know, good art oftentimes is a kind of a reflection of society and, uh, you know, culture, politics, et cetera, that uh, is going on around it. And uh, this this movie does a great job of kind of showcasing New York, you know, New York. As a yeah. the city, I mean, could have been nominated for an Academy. I was Award. I was just like, gonna say I was just gonna say having recently visited New York, uh, you know, it looks nothing like this anymore, and it's um, almost nostalgic for how seedy um, that New York was in the 1970s. I was reading that uh, crime rates had like murder rates had literally doubled, you know, in the from from the decade before. Which were already up from the fifties. Like mm-hmm. uh it was it was there were um and we'll talk about this in the in the podcast, but like some of the reasons the locations that there were just tenements everywhere, abandoned, condemned buildings, they were able to film and shoot locations like it was uh including tearing a hole a hole in the roof to get the famous end shot. <laughs> like the, you know, they did, it was yeah. it was a war zone. <laughs> New York City was in 1976. Well, it was a Son of Sam era, too. I mean, that was right around that time. Good times. Uh, I so, mean... Yeah. I miss the... I miss the gritty city. Uh, yeah, though, the... the It, it was... it. it again, it, it, it seems to capture 
that um, many people, many people are saying that you know that this is uh, um, again. New York is a is a is a is a is a feature character. This is one of those films where it's a kind of this amazing, right? Um, yeah, uh, I was reading I was reading the script, the the show notes, and um, there's a pretty great intro in this that uh, I'm going to have the the man with the golden voice himself, Matt, uh, read for us. So Thank this, you. This is this is what the uh, this is what the actors uh, and uh, anyone reading the script on the first page would have uh, came across. Uh, take it away, Matt. Thanks. Uh, let's see if I can do it without delving into inside the actor's studio, but it might not be possible. <laughs> it just might be my crutch. I don't know. But uh, God's Lonely Man, Travis Bickle, age 26, lean, hard, the consummate loner. On the surface, he appears good-looking, even handsome. He has a quiet, steady look and a disarming smile which flashes from nowhere lighting up his whole face, but behind that smile, around his dark eyes and his gaunt cheeks, one can see the ominous stains caused by a life of private fear, emptiness, and loneliness. He seems to have wandered in from a land where it's always cold, a country where the inhabitants seldom speak. The head moves, the expression changes, but the eyes remain ever fixed, unblinking, piercing, empty space. Travis is now drifting in and out of the New York City nightlife, a dark shadow among darker shadows. Not noticed, no reason to be noticed. Travis is one with his surroundings. He wears rider jeans, cowboy boots, plaid western shirt, Great and a worn beige army jacket with a patch reading King Kong Company, 1968 to 1970. He has a smell of sex about him. Sick sex, repressed sex, lonely sex, but sex nonetheless. He is a raw male force driving forward <laughs> toward what one cannot tell. Then one looks closer and sees the inevitable clock spring cannot be wound continually tighter as the earth moves toward the sun travis bickle moves toward violence damn nicely done yeah that was uh yeah. command for <laughs> i thought right. that was like morgan freeman i'll almost. see you guys Holy later <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was very 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 morgan uh yeah um so so mastercard the, <laughs> the card you need when you're buying shit the 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 film does this incredible job of painting the the kind of masculine loneliness, uh, the whole the whole ball of wax here. Um, it's a kind of incredible document of that. Um, oh wait, Matt is Matt is uh, he's gesturing to me. Uh, does that mean it's time for me to play our new song? Yes. Rock on, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Was that Jodie Foster? You got to do the sing the uh, the lyrics there. A twelve year old, a little younger than that. Yeah. Wow. That was my um, lovely daughter. Yeah, <laughs> that's the new uh, beer of the week. Let us know what you think of the. Uh, that's the beer of the week theme song. Beer of the week theme song. Folks. We know people were asking for one, and by people I mean nobody. And <laughs> so you got it. Uh, yeah, you've got to. Matt did a particularly smashing job. Uh, what are you drinking today? 
well, today is around our parts here. This is, you know, not a rare brew, but for some of you, it may be. Uh, this is Revolution. Did they sell Revolution in Wyoming, Troy? No, they. Well, yes, the anti-hero once in a while, I'll find that. Yeah, All right. they, there is that's around. I, I've been to Revolution there in Chicago land. Right. Awesome. Well, and that is what this we have. City. Yeah, this is uh, this is the the character Travis Bickle is in you know many cases the quintessential anti-hero, and so we are drinking Revolution Brewery anti-hero. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, this is a film we hope you've seen already. Um, we're going to talk about it. it. One one thing that's interesting in the seventies, there's also the 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 kind of vigilante movies, and um, this. Some people put this in the category. A lot of people, I think, rightly resist. This is not. This is a. This is a different movie um, than those. There's. Uh, there's not a lot of celebration about uh, the antihero. Um, it's a. <laughs> It's a it's a pretty dark portrait, such a dark portrait that, in fact, um, or no, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was sorry, like, sorry, I ruined your roommate's robe. <laughs> well, it's a blast. So it's not random at all. <laughs> it's a blast from the past. Uh, yeah, listeners will of course <laughs> recognize the Forrest Gump. Uh, Forrest episode. Gump drop. Yeah, yeah. Forrest Gump drop. Um, so we 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 don't have to pay royalties if we use our own drops, right? <laughs> If we, you can pay them to me directly. Yeah, okay. Well, Troy, yeah, Troy. I get a cut. I get a cut <laughs> for that, cut, too. Yeah. I'm the one that did it. <laughs> right. Yeah, all right, all Troy right. gets residuals. All right, all that. right, yeah. Performance fee, I suppose. You could be my agent. You get, like, 10%, so. Boom. But this, uh, um, yeah, this is, I don't think it's, this is a vigilante movie. I don't know, what do you, do you guys have different opinions about that? You could see, you could see how people would put it in that category. There's some of those elements, but um, ultimately... I don't think it belongs with those kind of because you're not rooting for. Yeah, him. there's definitely no. It, in parts you are, and then you're like, whoa, maybe not. You That's can have. How I, um, I think you can maybe empathize with him at times, but I don't think you root for him. Um, yeah, it's not a. It's not your dirty Harry, um, or you know where 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 you're made to feel. I don't want them making me feel things towards. Uh, Extrajudicial. Um, oh, I, w- I always had empathy with the uh, blonde assassin in that movie. <laughs> That's who I was really identifying with. Okay. The what? guy that gets right when he gets stabbed in the leg. Oh, that's a great scene. Oh, so good. Um, hey, a little little fun fact. Uh, the 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 opening montage on this is great. You get this kind of, um, you know, camera footage of riding around New York at night, which a lot of the movie is. Um, did you know? Um, the sequence is shot by the same dude who did the opening scroll for Star Wars. Some bitch. I did not know that. That does not look at all like Star Wars. No, it doesn't. But but you can see like the sort of graphics and visual. Like um, I think Brian De Palma actually wrote the Star Wars scroll, if I'm not mistaken, and then um, and had a hand in in. Um, well, if Happy George Scorsese. Lucas uh, does a remake of uh, Taxi Driver, maybe he'll like put some fucking Ewoks and shit in this uh, in this one. So yeah, yeah, right. We don't have any many action figures that uh, come out of this, so we can uh, let's reimagine that, folks. Yeah, maybe um, Jabba lives like in his little cramped apartment with Travis Sybil. So uh, as the as the should we jump right into it? As yeah. the as the name implies, yep. um, you know, we're we're spend a lot of time in taxis in Taxi Depot. Um, De Niro's applying for a job, uh, and we find out he's a 26-year-old vet, 
Um, and he's, uh, yeah, he's, I don't know, again, a, gr- a nice gritty taxi station. Um, we get some good, we get some good actors in this. I mean, maybe we should say Peter Boyle is one of the, um, one of the guys in the, in the fellow taxi drivers. Um, any other favorite, um, uh, act co-stars in this, in this movie? Sybil. Yeah. Sybil <laughs> Shepard, I mean, she's just she's just so charismatic and just beautiful like in this. Like it's really hard to I don't know any other way to say it. Like she's super super breathtaking and and uh yeah, the object. Albert Brooks seems uh I don't think he would have a chance in real life with Sybil. I don't know what do you think. No, maybe Super Dave would. No. Yeah, his brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Get him in there. Let uh Total Marty Funkhauser have a shot. Um, and so uh, here, real quick, uh, he says. So when he's he says he's um, a marine, I think he said you know he's discharged uh, seventy three. Right, he's like army neck, no marines. Um, he the King Kong Company patch is not real. Oh. So mm. just f- FYI, uh, Marine Corps. Just let me give you a quick and dirty on that with respect to Vietnam. Uh, provided ground, air, supply, logistic support during the war for about two decades. Uh, initially, they're there as advisors. Force grew uh, with the need to protect the airbase at Da Nang. And then uh, when forces land 3,500 March 8th, 65 at Da Nang, that is, that is Marine. Those are, those are the Marines. Okay. Um, and that, so that's the beginning of the ground war in Vietnam. Um, so they are involved in several pretty famous, uh, battles. Hue, uh, during Tet, the 26 day siege, um, on the, on the, you know, old ancient kind of capital is, uh, where, where the Marines are. Uh, they're withdrawn in 71. Um, they have some kind of groups of advisors kind of sticking around advising the, uh, Vietnamese, South Vietnamese Marines. Um, they briefly returned to help evacuate the embassies in Saigon and Phnom Penh in 75. And then in the final battle, if you will, of the war, they, the Marines are the ones that attempt to rescue the crew of the SS Maiges uh, in Cambodia. That was, so it's like a shipping, I don't think, have we talked about that on this? I don't think, no, if we have. Um, the, uh, you know, just a cargo ship that is captured in May 1975 by the Khmer Rouge. Um, and, you know, the Khmer Rouge claim they were in Cambodian waters. Um, and so the Marines go in to attempt to rescue the crew. Uh, and there, uh, I think there's a book, I think it's called The Last Battle, documents it in uh, pretty good detail. Uh, long story short, um, a couple of Marines are actually stranded and left behind on an island there, and they are killed by the Khmer Rouge. The Khmer Rouge do l- release the crew afterward. Um, overall, o- nearly 500,000 serve in Southeast Asia from 65 to 75. About 13,000 are killed in action, 88,000 are wounded Marines. So that's quick and dirty on the Marines during the war in Vietnam. And so... Yeah, Travis Bickle is a is a is a vet, and obviously seems to have some PTSD, uh, among other things, and perhaps some pre-existing stuff that didn't sort of <laughs> serve him too well. 
Well, even after even... he's walking out of, you know, applying yeah. for the job, he's kind of just walking out the streets, got a little flask, yeah. and he's during the day drinking, yeah, yeah day just, drinking, like, pulling, pulling on the flask. Um, we'll get to we'll get he's uh, he's a fan. He has some interesting um, cocktails. This is our. Can you make a new song for our uh, cocktail of the week? Uh, I've got a suggestion here. Down okay. That, that uh, yeah. That he mixes up. Maybe we'll do like a little like kind of. Maybe seventy three, seventy four, jazz era, Grateful Dead, uh, sort of like thirty minute instrumental sort of thing. So. Okay, all right, nice. Um, so uh, where a lot of the film takes place is a cab at night, and um, there's some pretty great scenes of kind of the uh, uptown, uptown riffraff, uh, as he would say. There's a quote I can't we- read all of, <laughs> all of it, uh, but they're a- they're all animals anyway. Travis says all the animals come out at night. And uh, a whole list of you don't want to read that. The- <laughs> I, I'll read it for you. Yeah. Okay. I'll, t- I'll go. All right. I'll just read most of it. I won't read all of it. Okay. But I'll read most of it. They're all animals anyway. All the animals come out at night. Whores, skunk pussies, buggers, queens, fairies, dopers, junkies. Some day a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets. Yeah, and so he's that's uh, that's kind of in a nutshell his you know his sense of the world the world that he operates in and his his idea of who he is and what he's doing will will evolve and kind of morph and inflate uh, as the as the as the his letters to his parents will evince some of this later, which is pretty kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the the taxi <laughs> when he's returning the taxi at night like it's pretty gross you know like shows him picking up people and then uh, there's that one where it's like a john and a sex worker he's picking up he's like I have to watch wash like coming blood off the seats like like boy that's uh kicking in the couch and in the cum and the blood and the beer sorry <laughs> this is Johnny Johnny. Cash. <laughs> boy named sue i think i was in boy named sue i, I think those lyrics <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> oh, Matt on the ox. Uh, there you go. Taking a shot of Troy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, but there it, was probably that. There was that too in the taxi. So it's the you're right. Uh, it's this theme of like filth and disgust and grime. He yeah. I I didn't count how many times he talks about the garbage yeah. or the filth or whatever. It's it's this ever present garbage. The smell. Every yeah. all of it. Yeah. He's totally. Um, it's an it's his obsession. But yeah. it's a obsession that he is choosing to work in. He wants to work nights because he can't sleep. And the very next is, scene is him in in the sort of his, as he would say, filth. He's in a porn theater, um, you know, awkwardly hitting on the attendant. Um, and and then the other th- theme in this is yeah, in, very is, awkward is insomnia, right? Just yeah, he can't sleep. Uh, Symptom of PTSD. He's up all day, up all so, night. Yeah, um, when he's not working, he's uh, you know, getting increasingly delusional about uh, the rest of the world. And, Can I um, real quick in his apartment? Um, they briefly they're just kind of doing a quick pan, yeah. like when they're kind of just showing what his apartment looks like, and you get a glimpse in his closet. He has hanging in there a flag, and it is the NLF um, National Liberation Front Viet Cong flag. So this is um. The it's adopted in '69. There were like different variations used earlier, but it's like that half red on top, half blue on the bottom, with the yellow star in the center. Yeah. Um. This is the flag that was raised over the presidential palace April 30th, 1975. Like when the tank comes in and like goes crashes over the gates. 
and they raise that flag at the palace, it's this flag. It's not the red North Vietnamese flag. It's this one. Um, and so, yeah. So, so I, I missed it on my first watch, but then I then read that read that too. Like, what? I mean, I don't know. What do you guys guess? What are they? Are they trying to um, project something there? Like, is there? A- it could have just been like something he captured, you know, or yeah, what, um, memento, right, and brought back. Yeah, uh, yeah, but not not like a. Uh, Right, he never he never has like yeah. I mean, Scorsese, you know, he talks about this has come from Scorsese uh, quoting him. Bickle was affected by Vietnam. It's held in him, and then it explodes. And although at the end of the film it seems to be in control again, he gives the impression that any second time bomb might go off again. So to Scorsese, he is it's it's part of him. So even though it's like really not a focal point of the movie, um, it's part of who the character is is his experience in Vietnam. Uh, and well, he says he was honorably discharged, right? So, but right. what was he, you know? So, I mean, he, he kind of right. tells some tall tales throughout the movie. So we don't, he could have, who knows? Right. He claims and, he's working so. for the secret service later. Yeah. We don't know what, what is actually true and what isn't. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. Um, and I think that that's, that's used expertly in this film. Like you don't know it's an, un, it's a, he's the narrator and it's pretty unreliable. <laughs> this, uh, this narrator for us. Uh, and, uh, of course, we're met next with the the incomparable Sybil Shepherd. She is, uh, she's radiant walking, and uh, he notices her walking out of a campaign office as he is, as he's driving cab. And this is for uh, fictitious, the Senator Charles, fictitious Senator, I assume, right? Uh, like Palantine, yeah. Palantine, uh, who is running for president and who will figure Sybil and the president figure will 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 factor large in this uh, uh, later in the movie, and you know De Niro he's he's obsessed and journaling about her. We see we see he's not well right from the get go. He's like this this person that he has never talked to. He is now is uh, as fixated on and uh, and obsessed with. Um, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, um, Troy. We don't have all your notebooks. Um, destroy all those. Yeah, really. I thought you guys were going to do that. Yeah, in case something goes down, we're gonna. We're gonna. But, I mean, wasn't Sybil was come, walking down the street in like a white dress or, or outfit? Yes. And so he, didn't he kind of basically portray her as an angel? I mean, so I yeah, mean, that's kind of how he looked at her with all the scum around. She was the angel that he fixated on. Yeah. No. And and he he elevates her, and then um, you know. Spoiler alert: When it doesn't go well, uh, his spiral is pretty is pretty um, is pretty swift after <laughs> following the the her her spurned advances. Um, but we also noticed good old how'd you like the how'd you like the afro on uh, Albert Brooks? Oh, yeah, it was dope. It's a sweet Jufro. I like he's, it. He's got he's got a he's got a he's got a nice afro going there. Uh, he's he's working in the in the campaign office of Palantine. And he's talking to Sybil. He seems fixated with, I mean, right, that was something they were, they were obviously trying to get through, that he's, I mean, he would be kind of foolish if he wasn't interested in, in Sybil. As a they have a flirtatious sort of relationship. Yeah. And he notices out the window that De Niro is there, Travis is there staring at her, and um, or, or Sybil brings it up first, right? Or does... 
She brings it up and he looks. She mentioned it and then he goes yeah. out and it's like, hey, uh, you're you're blocking the entrance here, man. Can you mind? And Travis just kind of like speeds yeah. away, yeah, like peels screeches. out. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. It's like me leaving a McDonald's age of 16, pressing the girls. Oh, yeah. They like that. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's super cool. Yeah. Oh, you was, know, I was so cool. Yeah. Just doing donuts. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of Flint Harvey. Yeah. That's a. <laughs> Power burns with Flint Harvey. Shout out to Flint. Yeah. Night scenes of New York. Again, we'll say we'll say it a lot in this podcast, but that's where this movie operates is in that kind of midnight to 4 a.m. kind of window. We see him at a night dinner with fellow cabbies. And uh, this was a little peek behind the curtain. This is one of the themes we were thinking of doing in the uh, Napalm Players. But um, there's not a lot we can use from this dialogue the day in 2022 <laughs> or even then unless it is a movie and they're playing characters like it's yeah right there's the typical um uh racial gender sexuality sort of <laughs> stereotypes that that you would expect working class cabbies to have and in the uh in 1975 new york um, different times. Different different times for sure. Travis they, doesn't talk much. It's a lot of the other guys kind of talking, and he's just kind of staring yeah. at his Alka Seltzer or whatever. And uh, you know, but he does. There isn't like I think a, an offer. Like, hey, if you need a a gun, right? And they play into kind of. There's a lot of scum out there, right? And you might get you might get held up. You know, yeah. You should have a gun, yeah. And so uh, they they talk about that. Do they do they suggest? Do they suggest what kind of gun there, Troy? I know you, this will feature heavily later. I don't believe so. I don't remember them saying specifically what type of gun to get. No. I like the... But he definitely... I like the... There's like the, the African-American cab, cabbie who's always just kind of sitting there like he's doing a crossword or whatever, and it's funny, like you're reading, the other guys are like sort of talking shit, and he's sort of... Uh, yeah. He's kind of... seems It seems like the most... Uh, um, most human of those characters. Well, we're back to the campaign office, some light flirting between uh, Brooks and Shepard, and De Niro kind of confidently walks in to volunteer for the Palantine campaign, and he wants he wants Sybil to kind of do the orientation for him, to, to volunteer. Yeah, he wants to volunteer. Well, he says he does, and then Albert Brooks is like, oh, yeah, come on over here. I'll help you out, and... and He's like, no, no, I want, I want to volunteer to her. Yeah, so, so Troy, you're a bit of a pickup artist. Um, <laughs> how, what, did, what did you think of his strategy for, uh, for asking her out on a date? I mean, a blind dog can find a fucking bone sooner or later. So I, I thought it was very bold, and uh, it worked. I mean, he, uh, he just went in and gave his lines about her being lonely and. She I thought that was that was a weird kind of negging, like I can tell you're a lonely person. It's like a doctor, yeah. Doctor Phil kind of approach. I mean, and they got you got a date better so. than Doctor Oz, I guess. Hey, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a weird weird approach, but it. Yeah, I mean, okay, I have to say, like in the real world, in in, in my lifetime, <laughs> I um have never been the type to. Just you know, go for it like that with a with a girl I I saw or was interested in, like you know out of nowhere, right? But I've I'd seen you know enough it, movies that one time I tried it, right? Like and failed miserably. So shot down. Yeah, in a blaze of glory, which is what I expected to happen. Which is why I only did it once. 
yeah, and in the and it also, you know, in the real world, she is. I don't think, um, in in the world of this movie, she is so out of his league that I don't I don't know. But maybe maybe she's charmed by his just kind of his bluster and just you know bravado, like yeah, coming well, in there. Yeah. Like, she kind of says that a little bit later, yeah. actually. So. Yeah, she's just. I think she's just caught up, blown away, just caught off guard, and just yeah. kind of swept her off her feet. It's so unconventional. And, yeah. Well, what do you think about Palantine? He's like, oh, well, I don't really uh, know know much about policy. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'd be a good president. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He just wishy washy and just saying what you want to hear, kind of with the guy. He's not, to but, to, and he's, but he's, he's very, very transparent. I mean, maybe what she likes is the fact that he is, he's, he's saying exactly like, I'm interested in you. I think we would be treating each other. He's not like, you know, I don't know anything about Ballantyne. I just came in here for you. And do you want to go to lunch? And do you want to have coffee and pie with me? <laughs> he sends his right. yeah. quote impulses between them. He, uh, yeah, he. Well, he senses a lot of things that may or may not be true, but yeah, he senses quite a bit of a few things in the movie. Yeah, and so he's having lunch. So Sybil joins him and for lunch and undermining Brooks constantly, like right. the, yeah. the classic, like this guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy back there. He's he's not a serious person. He's not. I I don't like him. It's not that I don't like him. He's just I don't I don't. He's not good for you. You know, I mean, come on, like it's yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. I would have been for her. I was like, back away slowly from this man, or security or something. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to make yourself seem great by making Brooks look bad. Just God damn it. Yeah, but he says like you know, I felt a connection just between us. And that's why I asked you. I wouldn't have asked you out if I didn't feel that connection. Did you feel that connection too? And she said, "I wouldn't be here if I didn't." Oh. So maybe maybe she's got a maybe she's got a bad boy antihero sort of. Oh, she likes the bad boy. <laughs> that that that's maybe the only explanation of why she's there at, at lunch with him. But don't worry, he'll he'll really crush it um, on the date later. Um, she references uh, a song, Chris Christopherson, The Pilgrim, Chapter 33, from the album The Silver Tongue Devil and I, and that will come up again uh, shortly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a, that's, a, that's a good move on his part. He listens, takes it seriously. Right? A- but come on. <laughs> she's of course, has it already. It's the it's the gesture that counts when he gives her the record. Anyway, we'll we'll get there. We when we have more scenes in a taxi, he picks up Palantine and uh, just coincidentally, and you hear them. You know, he's asking him like, "What does the everyday man, taxi driver, you know, think about this city?" and and he gives him like, you know, "There's a lot of scum in here." <laughs> Do well, I don't up. I don't know about politics, sir. You know, I, but I'm your biggest supporter. My number one issue, just clean up all the filth. There's just scum everywhere in this city. It's full of trash. It's like yeah, garbage. just it just clean. It's disgusting. Like it, you know, he just goes on and on on this. Yeah, his advisor, I liked his. He was constantly like looking like, okay, this guy's 
crazy amount. They jump in front of a bullet here or something. Uh, then we we see we got our first look at at uh, Jodie Foster. Uh, this is this is a controversial uh, role. She was twelve years old, uh, playing sex worker in the movie. Twelve and a half, guys. Come on, <laughs> twelve and, and a half. half, right? Ah, uh, big difference. <laughs> and I, I did I did read about there was some um, they did like interviewing and like even psychological testing. Uh, to say like you know is she is she mature enough to like handle uh, uh, these themes or and or what can we wall off that is not you know so yeah I saw like like they he wouldn't swear in the, the scenes that she was in or something like that um, which uh, seemed like a weird like because she, she's she playing a prostitute but yeah don't swear to <laughs> to it or something oh, excuse um, me sex worker sorry we're 12, 12 year old 12 year olds have heard those words buddy yeah, yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah a lot of, i lot mean of. i i hadn't but troy had so uh we also see uh harvey keitel who's his his character is so great in this like he's just he plays he plays this pimp um eric's very jealous of his hat collection. oh he's got a got a great hat he's wearing the sort of flared pants and um he's got the wife beater tank top on yeah he's got he's got like the cocaine fingernail uh they they really they they really did it they had a uh, had an amazing time he yeah he enjoyed that character <laughs> interviewed about it so foster she just gets in his cab she's like go just drive just go 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 and he's kind of like you know what the hell what what's going on and then before he has a chance to really do anything Kaitel comes and, you know, it's kind of like, everything's cool, cabby, you know, like, you know, it's fine. You know, he kind of grabs her out here. of the car and pulls her out and he throws like a wadded up $20 bill on the front seat and sort of says, you know, just forget about it. You didn't see anything. And a bit like, and a bit like Sybil, you see Travis Bickle, kind of his, his fascination with this person that he's, you know, just crossed paths with. And, you know, again, he doesn't need he, he doesn't need an actual connection for him to sort of pursue maniacally people that he'll come he'll encounter. Uh, then we're on to a date with uh, with with Sybil. Yeah. Um, Let me retract my earlier condemnation <laughs> for buying her this record, because he actually says, you know, he gives it to her and he says, uh, you know, she's like, oh, have you heard this? And he said, no. You know, I, I don't really have a record player, you know, and I don't know much about music, you know, and all this, but I was hoping to listen to it with you at your apartment. Ah. Uh, so that's actually not bad. That's actually not a bad, bad, bad line. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good move. Um, but then he craps all over that good move by doing what, Troy? Um, taking her to a lovely film that involves some nudity, I believe. Yeah, now, now Troy, when you're taking a lady friend to a movie, um, what are you, what are you looking for in that film? I mean, I'm thinking of like a like a romance or some sort of, but this like is a, definitely a romance, like a but a Gump. little more. This is more of a graphic, <laughs> more of a graphic romance, I guess. But uh, yeah, Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm more into a, a rom, more of a, more of a rom, <laughs> more of a rom com. So yeah, that's what I'm into. <laughs> yeah. He takes her to uh, a Swedish porn film, and this is a, this is a part of well, both culture in general and of New York that doesn't exist anymore. 
Right. This uh, is the part that you lament is gone. Yeah. That, that, that uh, <laughs> yeah, super sad. But no, they're just, just, uh, you know, rows and rows of, of peep Any, shows. Anything you can think of. Like, yeah. Uh, of, um, burlesque, uh, nudity, um, and, uh, was Pee Wee Herman there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> you know, back in then, now, now, Kids listening, there was a day when you couldn't just uh, take the phone in your hand and and dial up uh, whatever weird thing you're into. You know, you had to you had to go down to Forty Second Street, put in the quarter or whatever into the <laughs> peep show thing and get your how much of the quarter by thirty seconds or who knows I don't even know but and go down to yeah. the uh, uh, you know Swedish porn film right. cinema and check out what's going on. Yeah, with a bunch of other people. Yeah, yeah, I that that seems awkward. Totally normal. Totally normal. Um, well, it was then. So on a first on a first date, anyway, for sure. So it's not. Uh, so my big thing here touch. is, she knows what's going on. She's like, you know, you're taking me to this movie, really? And he's like, yeah, this is like what people do, right? They go out to these movies, and then she just goes in with him, and or maybe yeah. she's saying this is an art film. I I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, within yeah, she <laughs> she gave it a chance for sure, but yeah, it's a brief chance, yeah. and then yeah. walks out. She storms quickly, out. Like yeah, she's she. You can tell she's like it's real awkward, and she's not comfortable being there. He's oblivious to that, and then she just kind of gets up and leaves after. Oh, we can watch it. We can go to a different one. Uh, well, she basically said, "You might as well just." You know, say you want to fuck me. I mean, that's pretty much what, you know, she, he, he, he didn't, he didn't even get it. He was like clueless. He was so yeah. socially awkward that he didn't understand yeah, why his, she was upset. His album, his album ploy, like he should have just gone with that. That was a great one. Right. Yeah. Little dinner. Little Back to her Chris place for some Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Oh, man. And so film your own. <laughs> So she's running, and then you you see these flashes of of the taxi driver. Uh, she, she gives him back the record, but but he's he's like grabbing her. Yeah, you have a brief brief yeah. flash of aggression kind of coming from him. Yeah, he she he's kind of manhandling her a bit, and she storms into the taxi. Uh huh. And then a pretty great scene of him apologizing, and. I kind of noticed this. Yeah. And I think I think we were watching some commentary about this. Like, did you notice this, Troy? Where he's calling on the phone, and it's and it and it's so awkward. Like it's like this pathetic apology constantly. Like, hey, did you get the flowers in? And like, you know, he's continually kind of and and the the camera can't even watch him. Like they like <laughs> like probably in real life you'd just be like, oh, I just can't, I can't bear this. And so it pans away to the hallway. As you can hear him continuing to beg and implore, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, she's she has says she has COVID or something and can't meet up, can't go out for dinner. Um, <laughs> she has COVID, uh, and yeah, he's kind of pleading with for whatever, but it. Uh, and then uh, that's the last time she accepts one of his calls, and then he says, "Yeah, she, you know, she kind of rejects his calls from then on." And then there's a great, like, uh, you know, they don't telegraph it, but you see there's a room full of undelivered flowers. Like, obviously, these have been, like, sent back. So he's got all these, you know, dying flowers in his in his apartment. And finally, he decides, I'm going to storm into the campaign office. 
And okay, okay. This is an interesting talk, move. Talk to me right Troy, now. Troy, um, <laughs> did you like this move? Do you think this was going to work? Is that a power move? Yeah, not so much. I don't think that's a, probably the best way to do it. Aggressively run into a office and call her a bunch of different uh, derogatory names. and uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think that's probably not going to work so well. Not the strongest. But it's just, yeah. just me. <laughs> it might just be me, but yeah, he goes and storms in. He gets thrown out. He kind of, you know, gets into this kind of like stance, like he's about to like yeah. just beat the shit out of Brooks. You know, gets this, like don't uh, touch me. Get en- your hands off. Enter me. the dragon kind of stance yeah. right at the door. That was pretty. That was pretty cool. She's just like the others. Oh, they're all the same. She's just like all the rest. Right, so his his angel is now you know the part of the scum that he hates in New York. He's you can tell he's pretty mercurial here. Um, we got another. We got another. Uh, you, you ready for another one, Matt? Yeah, that's what this sound means. Oh, that's good. Refreshing. Uh, what are you drinking now, Matt? I've got a subs hero. I have a from Revolution a cryo hero. How about you, Troy? I could make up that I'm drinking something from Revolution, but I do have the glass to prove it. It's actually a mango stash is what I'm drinking. Oh, I, yeah. nice. Yeah, to get us back in the mood here, I was, uh, uh, from the archives, uh, we got a little clip of... Uh, 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 National Archives? Tr- tr- <laughs> Pal Panther High School Archives. Uh, let's mm-hmm. listen to Troy. Uh, you know, he he did a little, he did a little dinner theater. He did a he was. Uh, I was in Glee Club and everything. Board, yeah, tread the boards. Um, let's hear. He was uh, he was Travis Bickle in uh, Taxi Driver the musical. Let's hear. This is performing. What more do you want? It's just accent. amateur, isn't it? It's all amateur. Amateur, amateur. Don't you dare! I'm a professional actor and director. I'll have you know. What are you being in? Taxi Driver, the musical Wigan. Any good? Oh, well, you tell me. Are you talking to me? Because I'm talking to you. I don't see one else you could be fucking talking to. Bang, bang, I'm a taxi driver. I drive through the night picking up who I like. Bang, bang, I'm a taxi driver. If you're dealing crack, then you'll get one in the back from me. Tonight. (laughs) Taxi. Thank you, guys. Wow. Well, well done, Troy. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So um, that was bang bang. That was something. That, that was something. All right. That was definitely definitely something. something. Bang bang on For the taxi sure. driver. <laughs> then we have a then we have an interesting shot with Scorsese as one of the was one of the uh, okay okay passengers okay okay okay. Do you, do you see? Her? <laughs> It's the third floor. The third, third floor over there on the right. The window on the right. Do you see that on the third floor? Over there on the right. Do you see it? You see? You see? You see? You're doing a real uh, Paul. You're doing a real uh, lethal weapon. Like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I've never tried to do Scorsese before. I read that. I read that. So Scorsese is the passenger who goes to stalk his girlfriend who's sleeping with someone, and he can see her in the window. And th- this happened because I guess the guy who was supposed to be the actor didn't show right, up. Right. And so Scorsese. Scorsese just plays himself essentially um, yeah. because he is normally this sort of frantic and manic. And um, it, wor- it works decently enough. Like um, because, because he is 
Travis has the same, you know, he's he's angry and suddenly this is almost do you think this is like the light bulb moment where because Scorsese is like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get a gun and I'm going to kill this kill this woman and <laughs> you think I'm sick. <laughs> you think I'm sick. <laughs> I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. <laughs> All right. Nice. It seems like you've done. It seems like you've uh, you've thought about this, man. And uh, the you see you see Bickle like, hmm. It's almost like he's mulling it over. Like, hey, that's one thing I do to clean up clean up this scum. Uh, I could I could get a gun. Yeah, he in. says uh, he's gonna get a forty four. Troy, tell me about the forty four. Well, as um, Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry would say, it is the uh, most powerful handgun in the world, and it would blow your head clean off. So, does uh, it hold? I think five that says enough. Or six. Yeah, or six exactly. Do you feel? Like yeah, me? so it's a, it's a little overkill, so to speak, um, for pun, carrying pun around intended. with an eight-inch barrel, and I mean, it weighs probably three pounds. Yeah, it, it, uh, not real your practical, gun but is yeah, into it, my hip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's not a gun. Um, anyway, so. Uh yeah I, I, yeah it's it's it's, it's definitely <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh yeah it's a big one it's a big old gun used I, in a lot of dirty Harry lethal weapon um there's a lot of movies that it was it was moved in yeah it's used essentially in a, hand, this one. a hand cannon hand, thank it you is a hand cannon, for yeah. that uh, technical expertise Troy big old gun I appreciate that big it's a big old gun <laughs> out in, big old way gun. out in, way out in Wyoming. Uh, you might you might use that uh, hunting buyer for well as a deterrent. Yeah, right. If you're out, yeah, technically to def- yeah defend yourself defend against, against a bear. Defend but... against bear. That's a good bear gun. Got a forty four. It weighs a million pounds. It does like I hiked hard. Yeah, it's not with, real handy, but with yeah, one but... Uh, and like because there were bears up there and it was like I had like pain on one side of my leg because <laughs> like it was so the weight was. Yeah, I, uh, is that what they give uh, Martin Short and Three Amigos after he's been like captured in the in the fort and they hand it to him and he just like his arm falls just over. like falls directly into <laughs> <Yeah>. the ground? <laughs> yeah, you better be holding on to that thing if you pull the trigger. Um, so there's also I want to mention like the Scorsese. There's overtones. You you really see there's a there's a deep racial component of the kind of anger and animosity. His girlfriend. Um, oh right, yeah. She thinks the guy's with is black and he's. And right. He's he's that adds to fuels to the fire, um, and no shortage of racial tensions in the United States and in New York at this time are pretty are pretty serious and going on, and so they sort of capitalize on that as the, the, the amp up amp up the uh, kind of anger and craziness, and uh, and then yeah, this is uh, so we need a new segment for the your napalm uh, cocktail. We see Bickle. What do you think about this recipe? Shows him drinking. Uh, brandy and and cubes of of uh, sugar bread with milk in it. So he's got brandy, bread, sugar, milk. It's kind of like a bread a bread pudding, though. Really, it's actually pretty classy when you think about it. It's like Martha Stewart kind of shit going on. It's like on dinner. There. Yeah, could you? Uh, yeah. Is that like a pot pie kind of? Could you? Why don't you experiment? And give us a, give us a report back, Troy. How would the how yeah, your uh, so, sounds like? Sounds like a deal. Brandy, brandy pudding. I guess it. Yeah. I guess it could actually work. It it looked pretty disgusting at the time. Yeah, I didn't know for sure. I was thinking I've had some bread pudding with like 
Jack Daniels, and it's pretty tasty. Okay, so but not not so yeah, I've, I've been there, had, not quite like him, but Travis Pickle special. <laughs> yeah, you know, a little fancier version. Yeah. So, um, the uh, they show him going back to the coffee shop, and he's like talks to uh, Peter Boyle, wizard, and he's like, you know, I need to need to talk to you, you know. And they go outside, and he's essentially like asking him for advice. He's depressed. You know, what did you think of this scene? Like, because I have in my notes, you know, Peter Boyle, I have uh, gives him some dot, dot, dot advice, question mark, because he doesn't really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's more of like a, you'll be okay, buddy. I, I don't know what to say, but hey, you'll kind of have a pat on the back and all right. But he's, he's saying ya. like, you know, I, I'm really want to do something and I've got some real bad ideas in my head, you know, and stuff like this is, and I don't think Bo- like Boyle doesn't. It's not, yeah, he's not as phased as you think he should be. He's like, okay, well, yeah, we've all had those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if he did a better check, yeah, um, he would regret that as he got to everybody loves Raymond stage in his life that he didn't stop Bickle when he could. But you know, y'all live with regrets. Jody Foster again runs in front of his cab, doesn't he? Yeah, he almost hits her. I think. Yes. Follows her. He remembers her. Yeah. Yeah. She solicits. And again, it's this like Sybil. He's now, he's now diverted his attention to, to Jodie Foster. Do you think he's trying to like save, is he trying to save some, I mean, clearly he's trying to save Jodie. Is there, does he have a lurid attraction like he did with Sybil? Is it, is it both of those things? What did you sense the film trying to do? I think I think he was yeah trying to save her, but he's making her uncomfortable in the process. She's trying to, and she actually, her and that other gal sex worker, ended up getting together with two guys just to kind of get away from the situation because they keep yeah going looking back and why is he he's following us and she's like just you know don't turn your head don't look back and so yeah I, I don't but I don't think he had any animosity towards her or I think he wanted to 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 save her I I think he was up after the whole yeah situation where you know she got in the taxi and and uh and uh got pulled out of the taxi earlier in the in the movie uh so that's what i think though well then he's gonna do something about it right he's got these ideas my life has taken another turn again my life has taken another turn again (laughs) this is bickle is this in his journal June 8th, my life has taken another turn again. Yeah, it's in his journal. He's, he's kind of the narrator of this. Yeah. So you, th- throughout, you get sort of these little things from his journal that are sort of sprinkled in throughout. And so he, he's introduced to, uh, does, does Boyle, who says, like, hey, I know a guy who can help you get a gun? That was uh, Doughboy. Okay, Doughboy. We, we should also say that uh, De Niro's character is called a killer in the... By his co by his coworkers, um, which is uh, on a little on the nose. Hey, killer! So uh, okay, Troy, uh, do your thing now. He's in a he's he's got quite the array of uh, of handguns that he's shown there. Uh, what 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 are we looking at? It's just a Saturday at the range for me, but yeah, it's uh, he uh, yeah. There were like a dozen guns, and I he ended up picking out. Four guns, the big, the big hog leg, the big old gun, as I'd like to say, the 
model, Smith & Wesson 29, the 44 mag. And then he gets a little Colt detective, like 38 special snub nose with the pearl grips. And then he buys a little Smith & Wesson Escort, little 25 caliber pocket pistol. They're not good for much except doing what he wanted to do. So just kind of a belly shooting kind is of that gun, the one close that he range. Rigged, is that the one he rigged up on yeah. the wrist thing? Okay. Yes, yeah. And then he had a little Astra Constable little, it kind of was a copy of the, the old Walther PPK. Um, he used that too. That's so there were four, four guns. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Now, were yes. all the descriptions of them in the film uh, accurate? No, they were not. Ooh, were they close? Um, Controversy. They were pretty close, but yeah, some, they, you know, they'd swap out, you know, one uh, revolver for another. I mean, most people wouldn't catch it. I mean, I just, and That's actually, I'm I asking, doing yeah. the reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. The, even like the, the little, the little pistol that um, was attached to his that arm brace was technically a a, a twenty two, but they they used they they made them in twenty five caliber too. But I think the anyway, yeah. So yeah, it uh, it it wasn't as accurate, but I don't think people. All right, now what about really the price? Gonna, was he screwed? Was that guy screwing him on the price there? You could yeah, I have for, no idea. Back in, back in uh, yeah, I, those seemed pretty fair but they're probably higher than normal but what what, what, so what was it, said 800 he, bucks is that what it, what he paid i think they were they were like 350 wait uh, what was the total, total amount i can't remember the total like 800 oh but yeah but like the gun- if that's the, like one gun like that smith and wesson nowadays would cost 800 bucks you know just the one gun would so um I'm putting in so the yeah. inflation calculator hold on yeah <laughs> Okay. This will be a bit good. Thanks, Biden. This is good. This is a good pod right here. Um, yeah. So I, I think, because he said he could have sold it to a certain um, ethnicity on the streets, but he's, anyway, right. uh, I'm just going to stop there. He wants but to he, give it to, he wants, he wants to, sell, to give it to Bickle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's equivalent to $4,180.64. Whoa. Yeah, he got screwed then, if that's the case. If that's for 800, yeah, that seems a little high then. But yeah, again, he, he's just a taxi driver that has nothing going on and he's just making money. He don't know no fist, so I mean, he, he don't know nothing. You think he, in, yeah. in the war, he had to have some, in the service, had some set, some interaction. Yeah, but they're not using like they're not buying handguns and stuff, really. Like officers would. And they're not paying for them. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, then. then uh, so yeah, he buys them all. The guy tries to sell him a bunch of drugs too, and he's like. <laughs> And he's like, I don't do that. I don't, well, whatever he, what else, but I don't do that. But yet I drink every day and pour it on my cereal. Uh, and then uh, whatever pills he's popping, I, they never really just say in the movie what he's, he's pretty much popping whatever and drinking They're probably pretty much constantly, upper, you know? Yeah. Right. Could be for his insomnia. Um, you know, the, the exhaustion we have a, we have a pretty sweet montage of montage. We need a montage. Uh, he's, He's pumping iron. Did you notice like the weights? He had like he had like made his own with like uh with like cans. He had poured cement into them like at a bar and like was pumping iron. That was pretty. That Is this was when he's doing the push? The excuse me, pull, pull ups, ups yeah. also. So did you notice his shirt there? The yellow shirt. What did it say on it? So it was inside out, but it was said Marines, but it was an inside. It was he was wearing it inside out. Okay, you could see it. You could still tell that it was a Marine shirt though from Vietnam. 
So he's pumping iron, cool. and he is he is he is ripped. In he's this. got scars on his back too. Did you notice that? Oh, I did the, not. The overhead shot when he's yeah. doing push-ups. That that was probably from the war. That's, I'm guessing. Yeah, so sen- uh, potentially like was a POW maybe, or okay. maybe it's just an injury or something. But again, this kind of hints at these yeah. these like physical scars are also he has mental scars too uh, from the war that are kind of manifesting manifesting themselves um, now. He's eating right. Uh, he rigs up a little. Uh, what would you call that? Sort of a wrist spring. Is there a word for that? He, that the kind of a gun that pops out of his shirt. Oh, hold on, real, real quick before you go to this. He, this is when he mentions that too. That he, um, he's ruined his body. He's got to get in better shape. Uh, is is kind of like what he's saying, like during this mini montage thing. Um, and he also like holds his fist over that open flame, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but right after that. He goes and watches more porn, like in the porn theater. And he continues to drink beer and like pop these pills. So he talks about, you know, and he says too in the, in his monologue, like no, I can't be, I can't be no pills, yeah. no bad food, but he's still indulging in the porn, the bad food, the pills, the alcohol, the whole time. Is he, is he yeah. like a split personality or he, you know, I don't know. He's, or just like the rest of us, he, he. His New Year's resolution went to shit. Is pretty much what happened. So. Yeah, like he should. Yeah, come on, you lazy. Like work out, work out a little bit more. Okay, now he goes. Now we're at uh, in front of the mirror, and he designs this kind of sliding thing. Maybe yeah. this it's is- like a quick draw, quick draw sleeve gun. I would call it. Uh, I don't know what else you would want to. I mean, that's that's keeping it. I don't know. If that's what the proper terminology is. But yeah, it's got a kind of slides with inertia. He whips his hand up and then the gun slides on a little rail and pops out into his hand. I don't know how yeah. else to explain it, but yeah. It was pretty, anyway. sl- pretty slick little, little, yeah. little device. Yeah. He like good. rips off, uh, something from like a drawer or something to make this. Yeah. Yeah. The rails. He's in the slide. Troy, what is he doing to the bullet there? Did you notice he's like hammering? Oh, I'm, a line I'm glad you asked. The- I was impressed with that. Yeah. Yeah. So what he was doing is making the gun, the bullet, more frangible or it, it like a hollow point. So when it hits any sort of, it'll kind of, you burst know, body, it'll, it, yeah, it'll separate, it'll, yeah, it'll separate more. So yeah, instead of just penetrating and going through the body, it'll kind of blow up and do all sorts of shit inside the body, which is not, that's just what you want to uh, take, take, take the, so, uh, so he's down. not going target practicing is what you're saying. No, I mean they do show he him does in do the that, montage. Actually, yeah, in the montage, but but not not with that. No, he's not. He's basically making that bullet more to where it'll explode when on impact and do more damage, blow up into smaller pieces before it, you know, so it doesn't over penetrate. Thanks, Cliff. So that's yeah, you're welcome. There's no fact, yeah. And so one of many one of many interactions that that Travis will have at a at a Palatine campaign rally. He goes there, and this one he's sort of chatting up the Secret Service agent. To, to yeah, is he help scouting him. at this? Do you think or definitely? Yeah, and it's funny. The Secret, Secret Service agent like clocks him right away. <laughs> this guy's this guy's trouble. Yeah, um, yeah. Even tries to get his address. Like, oh yeah, I'll send you some literature about how to join the Secret. Yeah, Service. Yeah, he says like, oh, yeah, there's some suspicious people over there. I don't know where they went, but yeah, they were suspicious. You should like look at them. And then he says he's interested in joining. Um, gives okay. him fake info and kind of sneaks off. Okay, so we, so a little little segment for our latest, uh, our next fan poll. I want our listeners to let's all give us the I- most iconic 
line from this movie. Uh, or any movie. Yeah, for almost any movie. It's yeah. pretty basic. Yeah, really. So, like, why don't we go, Matt, let's hear, let's hear your, uh, so, so go to kind of rate and review. Um, um, you, let's see, you get, you get three of them. Each, everyone get three. So go ahead, Matt. I get three what? Oh, I do it three times? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to give me something in, in a series of three. Uh, all right, here we go. You talking to me? Are you talking to me? You talking to me? I'm the only one here. Is that a good Christopher Walken uh, impression? All right. Uh, Are you talking <laughs> to me? All right, Troy, give us, your, give us yours. You talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Then who else, who the hell else are you talking to? You talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Matt, Matt sabotage that one. God damn it. You talking to me? Oh, you talking to me? Let's imagine you were nervous. Are you speaking to me? He speaks like the raindrops falling from the sky. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such an iconic scene and a, and an expression and and a lot of that was this kind of intense improvising that they're doing with the session was like Scorsese laying on the ground and like right. trying to like film up and this was one of the like the they were like over budget and like had to leave the room and it was a whole but he's like no yeah. we're gonna keep um, De Niro said that he got that from he saw like a Springsteen concert like right before that. And like some people were kind of like yelling something from the crowd at him, and like you know Bruce couldn't hear it. He's like, and he was like yelling back, like, "Are you talking to me? You talking to me? <laughs> okay, you talking to me?" And uh, so that's where he kind of got the idea for the line to do the line. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 so great. And we kept and um, I saw a couple of interviews where and and to his credit, Bruce doing it. Hey, uh, you talking to me? <laughs> you, you talking to me? You talking to me? That that and one, two, three, four. (laughs) (laughs) Saxophone. uh, Yeah, De Niro Niro refuses. (laughs) You you caught Matt's funny (laughs) moment. You give me okay, Yegel. Uh, <laughs> oh God! Put a run away town. Okay, we're back on. We're back. On oh man! <laughs> uh, so um, uh, he's God. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, keep going. Okay, so so Bickle is he's amped up, he's ready to he's ready to hit in these streets um and and do something about it. He's and now he's armed. And right away he gets his opportunity because he goes into a bodega and he walks around where he's known, he greets the owner and he goes down the aisle and then he hears that guy comes in after him and is robbing the place, you know, give me all your money, whatever. And De Niro walks up 
right behind him. And I think he doesn't, he just is like, hey, you. <laughs> and yeah, he just kind of says like, uh, like, hey, or something. Yeah. And then the guy kind of turns around and he just shoots him. And I mean, he would, uh, he would have probably got shot. I don't know. The guy was whipping around with a gun. He would have, uh, that would have probably would have held up in a court. But of course, that, that gun is. Uh, Especially in Florida. <laughs> yeah, he was standing his ground. <laughs> That that uh, yeah, he just had skittles. That gun is not registered. That's one problem. You know, he bought these guys, these guns illegally. So he, uh, the the bodega owner is is pleased that he helped, and you know, said I'll take care of it. You know, get out of here. Yeah, you can just tell like how used to this shit that that guy is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah just take uh, get out of here. I'll take care of it. Like, you know, yeah. it was like the third or fourth time. That year or that month, it was like it, it wasn't like the first time that he had been robbed or, or held up, at least, you know. So, yeah, yeah I'll, mop, I'll, I'll was, mop this up. No problem. Yeah. A Palatine rally again. That is a pretty great letter to his father. Oh, he's mother. watching uh, American Bandstand right before this with a gun kind of holding it like. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. There was a there, there was that the scene with, with Jackson Brown also playing. That was a pretty awesome. Did you notice that? Was that might have been that scene? Or he's watching TV. There's a pretty great, uh, um, what Jackson Brown song is it? But uh, that uh, letters from the underground. But he, um, he's he's continually coming unraveled, and you you hear him as he's telling his parents. Uh, he says, "I'm doing sensitive work for the government." He claims he's uh, dating Sybil. I liked, I liked his like parting shot. Like, I hope no one has died back in the family, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which clearly, like, he hasn't been calling home a lot. Uh, so he's he's sending his parents a card for their anniversary and hoping no one has uh, no one has died there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, but he doesn't. It- he doesn't want to give his address out. He, he's does he have a bad? He's obviously sending a card to them, so I don't know his, what his relationship is with them. But he doesn't want to tell them where he lives, and is he maybe embarrassed? Well, or, I don't. He says this card is supposed to cover like your anniversary, both your birthdays, Christmas, or whatever. Like it's supposed to be like, so it can't be that close. Yeah. You know, no, no, yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not super tight. Um, well, the scene where he. They show him again watching TV. Maybe this is what you were talking about. With, and he kind of has his foot sort of leaning on the TV. Uh, yeah. And it, the TV is kind of like rocking there. And then it kind of falls back. And like, it d- looks like he didn't want it to fall. Like, yeah. Because like when it falls and crashes, he kind of puts his head in his hand. He's like, you know, damn idiot. You know, yeah. like. Broke but, my TV. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, you know, symbolic yet another thing. Kind of like, you know, crashing and burning here for him. Yeah, he's increasingly becoming unhinged. Um, and you know what, ladies and gentlemen? You're going to hear Alan unhinged. In another edition of the Napalm Players. Uh, today we have uh, quite a quite a slice of... Uh, I'm still smiling <laughs> from that line from Troy. I got to get my head... Got to get my head in the game. <laughs> um... This uh, this is uh, keen listeners will 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 recognize uh, this is different than the film than the actual movie. What we're gonna we're gonna read from the script. I'll give you a little give you a little flavor of uh, kind of the alt or the what was what was uh, written to the actors and then how those were changed. A lot of improvise improvising went on set. 
for the purpose of today's activity, um, improvising that we would not be able to do. Yeah. Either. Also, <laughs> there's a lot of things in that that uh, we're not able to say. Um, Matt will be playing the role of our disgruntled vet, hey, Travis. Hi. Um, Troy will be sport. How you doing? Is your fingernail painted? You ready to do this? Um, yep, I've got her. Got her ready. Got the lead press on nails. I'm all set. <laughs> nice. And I'll I'll be doing double duty as uh, Jody Foster, Iris, and uh, uh, the narrator. Okay. So, all right. Here we go. Flipping up the collar. So, so uh, again, we're going to read stage directions here. Flipping up the collar of his army jacket. Travis slouches over and walks toward Iris. He sort of sidles up next to her and walks beside her. Travis always looks most suspicious when he's trying to appear innocent. Hello. You looking for some action, mister? Well, I guess so. All right. You see that guy over there? His name is Sport. Go talk to him. I'll wait here. Travis' eyes follow Iris's nod until they reach Sport. Standing in the doorway in his lime green jacket, Travis walks toward him. Sport, a 30-ish white greaser, that has the affectations of a black pimp. His hips are jiving, his fingers softly snapping. He sings to himself, Go into the chapel, gonna get married. His complexion is sallow, his eyes cold and venal. He could only seem romantic to a confused, underaged runaway. That reminds me of Troy. <laughs> Thank you. You name Sport? Sport immediately takes Travis for an undercover cop. He extends his crossed wrist as if to be handcuffed. Here, officer, take me in. I'm clean. I didn't do it. Got a ticket once in Jersey. That's all. Honest, officer. Your name's Sport? Anything you say, officer. I'm no cop. Looks back at Iris. Want some action. All right. $15 for 15 minutes, 30 for half an hour. Shit. <laughs> take it or leave it. Travis digs in his pocket for money. No, not me. There'll be an elderly gent to take the bread. Travis turns to walk away. Catch you later, kappa. Travis freezes, not saying anything. He turns back towards sport. I'm no cop. Well, if you are, it's entrapment already. I'm hip. <laughs> Funny, you don't look hip. Travis walks back to Iris. Irish motions for Travis to follow him, and he does. And scene. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Boring. <laughs> yeah, so we got a little, we got a little, we got a little down on the corner action there. We got a little. Green's so, clear auto revival. Yeah. Exactly. Out in the street. Harvey, again, he is, he his his character in this is really over the top and plays this kind of uh, skeevy, um, you know, itchy pimp. Um, there, uh, so in the scene we read, you know, he's he's soliciting Jodie Foster, takes her to the room, um, and then well, she takes him, right? She takes him to her they, room. They go up to yeah. the well to the like the tenement where they're or, right, whatever their right. rooms are being rented out. By the 15 minutes, uh, not even by the hour. So, um, 
But De Niro doesn't want to make it. Yeah, she's like lights a cigarette and she says, when this is out, your time is up. Yeah. And he's, and what is, what is his plea to her, gentlemen? What is, what is, what is, what is, what's Travis doing in this room? He's trying to save her. I mean, he's trying to get her out of the business. Like, what, what are you doing this? You know, you should, you should, you know, go home to your parents, be in school, you know, have a normal life as a 12 year old, not being a sex worker. He wants to take, he wants to take her away. He's going to, he's going to, yeah. Remember you were in my cab, right? You got in my cab. You said to take you away. <laughs> yeah, she was like, uh. I was. She said she was. She was stoned, was so she don't remember. Yeah. Do you think she'd remember it, you guys? She she remembers. I feel like that creeper. She'd remember. She says uh, they protect her from herself. The her handlers or Harvey or whoever, right? Because she's gonna do destructive things. I, I yeah yeah. So. Yeah, she keeps like, and at least initially, she keeps like you know taking her clothes off, trying to like. Here, you know, like, let's do the thing. And, uh, you know, he's... It t- takes her a while to, like, figure out, like, what he's even there actually trying to do. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he, again, he's trying to maybe clean up the city one person at a time. And he wants to, he's fixated on her now. He's cleaning up her. that city one person at a time. Exactly. And, In a world. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, they make a breakfast date for 1 p.m. <laughs> like the... Just, yeah, when she's like, I'm not up before noon or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I remember those days. <laughs> they weren't when I was 12. When I was 12, I was up at 6 every day. But um, Those days when you were on the corner? Those days when, when I were... was a graduate student. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he, they go to lunch. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty, I mean, this is, again. Oh, did you notice the guy the, at the door huh. that, uh, like, is sitting outside the door of her room? You know, he oh, wants yeah, yeah. for payment for, for the time. He gives him the, the same quad, yeah. rumpled up 20 bucks that Kirk uh, Harvey threw at him. Do you think that's the same um, Funkhauser $20 bill that he gives Larry <laughs> David in the uh, Funkhauser Roadside Memorial with the Albert Brooks connection? I'm just saying. That was a 50. Oh, is it a 50? Okay. Yeah, it was a 50. <laughs> Damn it. Well, these universes. Can't you let him? Can't you let us have anything nice, Matt? They. It's it's inflation though, right? You yeah. Do, oh, inflation hold on, you need to figure that calculator out. Calculator yeah, out. Hold on, there. <laughs> <New> calculator. <laughs> Thanks, Biden. So at least we're not in Russia. The, the did you true. see the ruble went up, doubled? It's like it's like eighty or ninety rubles to the dollar now. Yeah. When I was there, it was like sixty six. That's so gone up. It's up. It was. Good. It went from eight hundred to or eighty to one hundred fifty three. In oh one, Jesus, in I haven't watched day. lately. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. It's not great. Not great. No. He there's some pretty there's some Sorry. pretty fun, funny. Everyone's gonna be laughing like <laughs> this is so old news. Exactly. It's four thousand now. Like, yeah, whenever you actually hear this. Um when when Russia's on the Euro. There the there's a pretty funny <laughs> dialogue here. Uh like where she's you know, he's he's trying to get her to go, you know, take her away and he's like, Did you ever hear of women's lib? Uh, it was just such a funny artifact of like the seventies, you know, the, the women's lib, women's liberation. Yeah. Um, she's there with, uh, Jane Fonda and, uh, you know, Ms. Magazine, right? She wants to, uh, let's go baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got this girl and equal rights amendment, baby. They want to, they want to go to a, she mentions a, a commune in Vermont. 
And then you're just like, yeah, I don't know she about actually those like agrees. Like, okay, fine, take me away. Let's go to Vermont. Yeah, right. Let's do it. It's like, well, I got some stuff to do. Right. Well, I'm really busy, actually. Like, I, I didn't. She's got some government stuff. You got to take right. care I wanna, of. I want to save like you, but um, uh, can we get our calendars? Can we sync our Outlook calendars? Maybe try to try to work something out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was a, that was a, a, a weird twist. And, um, you know, she talks to, but, but he's made an impact because when she goes back and she's talking to Kaitel about leaving, um, yeah, this scene was a little tough watch, powerful yeah. scene. Um, yeah, they're, yeah. Dan- they're dancing together and he's like, you know, so, you know, saying like, I love you. And I'd be like, you can just like the manipulation that he has oh, yeah. over, over her the, is so yeah. heavy. He knows like. Yeah. Every phrase, every button, like, and it's going to work. Like, nobody, will, nobody will care for you like I will. Nobody and, cares for you like I care for you. Everybody's talking about um, <laughs> Bigly um, <laughs> is, is how he loves her. And, uh, you know, he's this creepy dance with her. And Yeah, but it's like, it's this weirdly, like, romantic dance, too, like, at the same time. Yeah, it's romantic. It's fatherly. It's all. It's like it's fucked up. Right. Like the, right. Yeah. The whole thing is weird. Um, yeah, it's total brainwashing. I mean, he's he's totally manipulating her to keep her keep her there. Yeah. You know, making her feel guilty if he leaves, she leaves because he loves her, and he's you know he's just totally playing playing it. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's a great scene, and uh, like Kaitel, like his role is not big in the movie, but um, the impact he has on the movie for the small role he has is really large. I'd say. Yeah, no, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit lo- a bit like Pulp Fiction, where you know a minor character has an incredible like you know it's like this or lasting the wolf. impression for sure. He's a fixer, guys. And then we we get a great scene where I was a little offended because Robert Nier is preparing for battle, but he's in pearl snaps. He's in. I was a little annoyed as a as a wearer of uh, the what the Western, fuck is a pearl snap? The Western clothing. What is a oh god. Matt, you have so, oh my God. You, have so, yeah, you have so much to learn. Sorry, raised by I humans, said, how not wolves. Di- how dare you? I said good day, sir. You're <laughs> 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 really tickling Matt's, uh, tickling Matt's fun bone tonight. Uh, yeah, the the pearl snaps, the the western shirts. He's got the you know the 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 snap shirts. Why is that shirts? a pearl snap? Because it has pearl buttons on it. God, if you've have you have you even been you, anywhere? No, does he have? Re- is it real pearl though? It's like well, if real or fake, but they're they're known as pearl they're just snaps. Called or, pearl snaps. Yeah. Um, it's probably so. Bo- what? So what's your complaint though? That 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 uh, again, you know that that this is a this is coded as bad and evil. Like how dare they? Oh, the you know, shirt you, you. Oh, so yeah, you using <laughs> our culture. Okay. To to right like yeah and he's got the boots yeah and... he's got the boots and like I but was, he doesn't uh, talk like he's from the hill the hills like you people do the mountains so, yeah, not yeah, the hills yeah uh, no he do, but right he's appropriating um, you know our, our culture I, I do have a interesting okay so so you notice the knife or wait are we there yet <laughs> yeah yeah where he's preparing yeah for oh, okay for so battle. so did you notice the knife so that knife yeah is called a K bar. I was going to say that. It looked like a military K-bar. So that is a real knife. Um, according to Scorsese, he was in the Special Forces in the Marines. So right there, that's incorrect. But let me continue with Scorsese. 
You only get that by watching the kind of knife Travis is using at the end. It's called K-Bar. Only special forces use it. Actually, Marines use it, not special forces. Uh, special forces, Green Berets are part of the Army, not Marines. Marines have a K-Bar. So Marines would have had a K-Bar. Fact okay. check, true in the scene. Ding, Fact ding, check, ding, ding, ding. not true for Scorsese's quote about the scene. <laughs> right. So let the scene do the talking uh, there. And then, and then uh, we're introduced to a sort of incredible, like a great iconic image of uh, back at the Palantine rally. Oh, he he leaves Iris uh, like money yeah, in yeah, like right. a little An note, envelope. He's um, like, like to like get out. I'm not sure how he's going to get it to her. Yeah, that was that was that was unclear. Although it seems like maybe he does later on because well, we'll right, we'll but see. he he's is expecting to die in this. I next wonder, scene. Did, he, did he drop it in the mail or something? I don't know. You know, there's a lot of questions here. How does she get to that? Iris? Just puts it in the mailbox, right down on the corner. So the back at the rally, he's got this uh, his you know iconic menacing mohawk on, and uh, yeah, another that that is something they got from uh, the armed forces, like when they're preparing to go into battle. Uh, technically, like, Air Force would be known, or Airborne would be known to do that um, beforehand. And so the idea is right. I think it's more Airborne than, like, a Marines. But um, the idea that before one went into battle, it would kind of shave, like, in the Mohawk style is correct. But, but he was also, in the Marines, he got his... You saw in the the patch on his jacket with the parachute and the wings. He he qualified as a you know to jump with the uh, stagnant oh, okay. lines that you know use. So that that could be some of it too. Maybe I don't know. That's my yeah. guess. Okay. The uh, the Scorsese says that um, that one of the actors, Victor Magnotta, who has he's a secret service agent in there, and he's a he's a Vietnam vet, and he said that in Saigon, if you say this is his quote. Saigon, if you saw a guy with his head shaved like a little mohawk, that usually meant the people were ready to go into certain special forces situation. He didn't even go near them. They were ready to kill. And so this is like, a, you know, according to this guy, you know, this is re- you're getting into the getting into character as a as a stone cold killer. Uh, you're ready to. Right. To to go into. Battle. And he's popping pills right beforehand, yeah. even though he says he was, doesn't do that anymore. He's still doing it. De Niro shows up the rally. He's got he's got the mohawk. He's got the the jacket on. He's armed to the teeth. The the I want to say Troy. The what did you think about the the holster with the fort like like the the how unwieldy he's got it. So he's got just yeah. describe that like it's pretty crazy. I mean, he just looks out of place already. He's got the mohawk and the the old. I mean, the the veteran the the army jacker marines and. Uh, yeah, he's just definitely looking like we need to keep an eye on this guy. And then they already they had already seen him at the you know the the other yeah they clock rally, they clock so. him immediately and he's got the a giant forty four under his uh, yeah, in, in his yeah. in his jacket under one arm and uh, and he never really gets to he never really gets to fully pull it he he was reaching in to to pull it yeah. out and then they think they. Or got got onto him. The crowds kind of swarms around Palantine to shake his hand, and then yeah. De Niro runs off. Should I mention real quick that this? <clears throat> excuse me. This is uh, based on uh, Arthur Bremer's assassination attempt of George Wallace. Is where they got this sort of idea, and looking at like a lot of his writings and oh, really for Bremer, yeah, uh, and 
so so that's so they kind of looked at him as kind of in some ways a a model for uh, De Niro in the film. And also, fun fact: uh, the Nixon campaign broke into Bremer's apartment and dropped off a bunch of uh, um, oh, I forget which candidate was it now. One of the Democratic candidates' uh, campaign literature, like in so so the press would report that oh he must be a supporter of the Democrats and that's <laughs> or of this Democratic candidate and that's why he's um, going after Wallace to get him out. Anyways, did Forrest Gump notice that the lights on in the room and reported it to police? Is that how we know this? No, we know this because historians have written about it. Um, yeah. Is it the thing that's actually? I'm really ashamed for forgetting which candidate that was. Um, So De Niro, he's he's ready to kill, and because he can't do the Palatine, where we just led to assume he he goes over to Keitel, and is uh, is just sort of immediately confrontational to him, and uh, is try is trying to antagonize him. Keitel won't be antagonized, you know, bear baited. But uh, finally, finally, he throws a cigarette butt at at, uh, at De Niro. Says, get, "Get the hell out of here!" Yeah, and pulls out his gun, and just shoots him right in the gut. Like I was like, "Ooh." Which um, one was that, Troy? That was a little thirty-eight snub nose, little cult detective special. So that that'll do it. Yeah, not not a not a gut shot. Not not a great way to go. Then, well, he know, doesn't go yet. Yeah, well. We think he does, but he runs into the, De Niro runs into the uh, brothel um, and uh, the sort of the, the manager there, the guy in charge of the rooms, shoots his, shoots his fingers off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pretty grisly. It's a really, yeah. These are really bloody scenes at the end here, um, which, which got the film board like all up in arms and will lead to some interesting creative choices at the end in terms of color washing. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a by by today's standards, it's totally, it it would be totally normal. Um, yeah, you see this in like any Disney movie or something now. Yeah, exactly. This is right. very Song of the South, yeah. and um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> and uh, it's not zippity it's not that bad. Zippity, <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> Plenty of sunshine. I got my hand shot off today. Oh man, uh, so. <laughs> He, uh, and then, um, he shoots the guy, but, and then, oh, but where's our favorite pimp? Harvey Keitel comes up behind him and shoots De Niro in the neck. And, uh, that doesn't look good for old no. Bobby. Um, and he. They, evidently he's just fighting Russians. <laughs> it's just a flesh just wound. Because of their really bad targeting skills. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. They're all there, so there's like Fuck Russia, shooting. Probably. Another guy comes out of the room, and they're, uh, you know, De Niro mm. shooting him. Then, then they they, they barge into the. Yeah, he gets shot. De Niro gets shot in the arm by he gets shot that in the other arm guy. by the other guy, and he whips out his like uh, sling gun and. Yeah, I have uh, uses thing to get new gun. Shoots him in face. Yes, <laughs> shoots him in face, and multiple times. Like, yeah, yeah, and then they're in Jodie Foster's room. They kind of crash into there and. Uh, lots of gunshots uh, on on both sides, and um, and then finally he's out. Of- oh, he stabs him in the hand too. Oh yeah, God! Like right through, like with the the K bar. 
Yeah, that nasty. was uh, that was hardcore. And and then De Niro takes a gun and he's trying to shoot himself and he's out of bullets. Yeah. He's he's, he's and he takes another gun, he's out of he's out of he's out of ammunition. Iris yells out right before he shoots out of the guy in the head, like, don't shoot him, like she screams it. And then he just like pulls the trigger on right in the guy's mouth and like blows his brains out all over the wall. Oh yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It was... Like while she's like there like screaming, like, don't do it. Super graphic. And uh and then he's laying uh laying on the couch and then the cops bust in. And this is kind of like slow motion from now on. Yeah, like, it, this is again another kind of incredible shot. Uh, and he takes the takes his bloody finger and puts it up to his temple, and you know, miming pulling the trigger there. And uh, yeah, the blood is just like slowly dripping off the face. Like it's such an iconic shot, like scene. Um, that little glimpse of De Niro there. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know if the cops are, um, are they going to shoot him or not? Because kind of like freezes. And then the shot that I was mentioning in the. Um, yeah, amazing. So this was at a time in, in New York City's west side when the you know, city's on the brink of bankruptcy. And there's, as one of the producers says, the, the whole west side was bombed out. Really row after row of condemned buildings. That's what we used to build our sets. We didn't know we're documenting what looked like the dying gasp of New York. And so this film in an actual apartment is tracking shot overhead. And so this this was the kind of thing that today would have been done in a studio, but because there's this like, you know, row 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 after row of condemned housing, they just they they knocked a whole ceiling out of the the room above to to get the shot. They pull it from De Niro and 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 go over the top of the heads of the cops and out into the hallway. It's it's an, yeah, it's an amazing shot. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, which yeah, they tore a building apart to do because there's you know New York was. Man, if you could have known and bought some real estate then, Matt, oh, we live, we rolling in it, and yeah, the, and then and then comes a very well, we'll we'll talk about this controversial ending. What what do we believe, right? So, the movie shows this kind of hero montage, uh, montage. New need a montage. Uh, news clippings on the wall. Taxi driver saves Iris. Um, you know, taxi driver survives coma. Um, you know, the the new. I mean, how are the news reporting? We have a letter from his parent, our Iris's parents too, which we hear narrated. Like, yeah, what's, thanking the, what's him, the gist of that? Thanking him for saving her, getting her back to us, etc. Right, and so. We're when you're when you're watching the the scene where he's bleeding out De Niro, you it it seemed it's a logical conclusion to think like this guy dies. I mean he's he's shot in the neck and in the arm at least once. Just um, skimmed him. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then and then but we see these and so there's been a lot of what the controversy is. Um, I guess let's go to the final scene, which is it shows De Niro. Um, driving a cab, hair is growing back, and he picks up Civil Shepherd in a cab, and you know they're chatting. She's like, "Oh, I saw you in the newspaper." Yeah, small talk. Yeah, and then he drops her off, kind of eyeing her in the mirror. Yeah, and then there's this glitch in the rearview. Well, mirror. she's heard about him, like so she's like yeah. knows about his story or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but he looks in the rearview mirror and kind of like does this matrix, like. Doo, doo. 
you know, he's, uh, you know, I twitch and yeah, what's it, going on with him. Yeah, the implication is like he could be set off again at any moment. Like, right. Did he see something in his mirror that's going to set him off? So, so a common interpretation of this at the time was that. Well, what's Troy's interpretation? Yeah, what do you what do you think? What do you think's going on, Troy? What did you think when you watched it? It seems to look like a dream sequence, but yeah, that's a plausible. Doing the research, yeah, but doing the doing the research, it looks like it was reality, and in a way, he, um, you know, it's almost like you could reloop the movie and start it over again, and he, he really hasn't changed. I mean, in a way, he probably isn't he's become a worse person because he's, he thinks he's a hero and in reality he's not necessarily a hero. I mean, he's doing the things he did probably, he could have, it could have been handled another way, but in his mind, he thinks he's, he is a hero and maybe that gave him more power. On the laser disc commentary of taxi driver, uh, which came out, which came out obviously after the film, Scorsese acknowledged that critics had this, this dream sequence interpretation of Bickle's death, which is a, which is a believable one because of the way that, you know, the, the, so part of it, we should say that the, um, the film is shot beautifully, but the, the death sequence, because it was so bloody, um, the film, the, the film board was, you know, this is not going to get an R rating. Yeah. They were going to rate it X. Yeah. Because it's so, because it's so violent. And so he, he kind of washes, um, does a sort of, a I don't know, like a sepia or something on the on the film where you, it it's not the blood isn't isn't as obvious and red and so it um, yeah and they said they don't have that original version anymore right it's like lost yeah. to, it's so all we have is this version and so it could lend one to believe that like this is you know um, another reality he's 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 dying he's dead here and then so the the sequence back when you have the the newspaper clippings that maybe this is a, this is, this is all happening in his, you know, in his brain as he's dying, like his, uh, his, this is all in his imagination that he's picking Sybil Shepherd up. He's fine. His hair's growing back. <laughs> all is, all is well. But Scorsese says, you know, that, um, uh, that's not the case. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a reset. He's back in the cab, another ticking time bomb. And, right. um, you know, maybe he's gonna. Um, he could be set off again. And uh, what what did you think when you first watched it, Matt? I did not have the dream sequence. I I thought it was straight in real time. I thought I thought he I thought I thought the dream sequence. I thought he died. Um, and the first time I watched it, um, I remember thinking like, oh, this is all some sort of, because because it, it is very like, it just breezes into suddenly he's in a taxi, and I thought like this is all happening in his mind at some point. Yeah. I guess he's lazy, lay dying. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, that's, that's taxi driver. I mean, it doesn't get, it doesn't get bigger than that. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you everybody. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Thank you. Well, uh, I think we should, uh, I think we should rate this sucker. Um, Let's, uh, do you want to go first, Troy? Uh, Troy, let me see your, your dong. What, uh, how many, how many are you going to rate this? Uh, of course, the dong being the Vietnamese currency. One to 10, where do you give, t- what do you put taxi driver? I put it at an 8.5. I love the movie. I love the grittiness of New York. I mean, it was filmed when New York was at its grittiest or worst. I don't know how yeah, you want to put right, it, right. but, uh, 
I, um, and I love the fact, you know, it's, it's dealing with a person that, you know, there is PTSD from, from the war, but I think he in general is kind of socially awkward to begin with. So I, I like, ah, just the structure behind, you know, going, looking at him and, and, and actually he's, he's portraying, uh, you know, he kind of acts like a victim and then he wants to clean up the streets. It depends on how it's going for him. I mean, if he's, if he's getting shut down, then he's a victim. And if he's kicking ass and he's, you know, the antihero. So I, I just think, uh, overall, I, I enjoyed, I mean, and looking at De Niro when he's just a, a pup, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing movie. It's great lines, some great, the, the footage, I think more of New York is really what I would love to go back in time and be able to see that. It, 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 that was probably what blew me away the most, but yeah, uh, time so yeah, 8.5. Yeah. All right, Matthew, what do you think? Man, I'm right in the same spot. Um, yeah, I think 8.5 is, is good. I think I'll do that. I'll do the same for the same reasons. Um, I, I think it is almost a perfect 1970s movie. Uh, as a country, we were just so in such a space then. Uh, and for so many reasons, one of them, of course, being the war, but, you know, economically, uh, politically, yeah, right. you know, just, just coming off the heels of Watergate, uh, race, uh, I mean, women's rights, you have like so much stuff just like kind of boiling to the surface during this decade. And it was a, it was a bad scene, man, for a lot of reasons. I mean, aside from the music, which was pretty dope. It was pretty dope. Um, so I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let Troy speak for me for some of the specs on it. And like, um, and on, on, yeah, I I think eight five. Eight five. Okay. Okay. Um, I uh, I'm gonna give this my high. I'm gonna go a nine. This uh, you know, which is pretty close to where we had. I mean, it's it's just it's incredible. You know, the the cast is you know the De Niro, Scorsese, Sybil. I mean. It's a, it's an incredible cast, and uh, yeah, it's this kind of it taps into this. It's this living artifact of this a time and a place that is. Um, I just can't think of a better example, or incredible example of like a film that that can kind of captures. And then those who know it far better than we do, you know, uh, have have also said, you know, this is this this film really really gets it. It captures that moment in in time and, and is a, just a compelling piece that, that, that totally holds up. It's like a, it's like a 2001 space odyssey kind of, um, thing that you don't, you don't watch it for a fun. I mean, this, this, this is like watching a, uh, you know, a, a, a recent movie in the sense that it just feels so, uh, real and, and relevant. So yeah, that's a, that's a, um, taxi driver. Uh, how about, how about any, um, any suggestions of other things they should be reading? Oh, you mean a book of, of the week? <laughs> yeah, that really needs a uh, harder soundtrack, I think. But beer, yay! So funny. <laughs> I love beer. <laughs> Tiny little boy. Um, oh, so cute. <laughs> so. <laughs> James 
Traub, uh, The Devil's Playground, A Century of Pleasure and Profit in Times Square is the book. And this kind of chronicles um, Times Square from, you know, early 20th century, kind of at its founding, um, sort of the center of vaudeville, kind of goes through the heyday of Broadway. Uh, my uh, great, great uncle, George Abbott, would have been one of the main stars of that period. Um, oh. Yeah, so shout out to him. Uh, Damn Yankees, pajama game, etc. So I'm still re- raping in those royalties, so that's nice. Nice. Yeah, no, that's not true. Uh, um, <laughs> it's but, true that he was in it, but not true about the royalties. No, it's yeah. no, yeah, no. He he uh, he got uh, the he was a uh, George H W Bush gave him the what's the what's the uh, the Medal Kennedy of no not the Medal of Freedom the uh, the other one whatever anyways uh yeah no he was yeah big on broadway during that era and then but you know in the 70s you get to the decline the book of course covers that as well um it is it sort of goes through this you know the crossroads so called of the world um and it covers all this in uh good detail it's kind of um part i'd say part journalism part history uh and it it kind of gets into what it it was like in the this part of the city during this you know roughly century um and so if you know today times square is kind of you know disnified and it, totally. it is so clean and oh yeah who likes clean and and safety Ugh, it's so gross right um yeah nobody wants that so uh it it, it kind of takes it up through that and kind of you know and I had forgotten this, like, like the MTV, like you know, like the, hey MTV, Total Request Live here, live from Times Square, you know, like <laughs> I forgot about that, like was a thing. I was like, oh yeah, like we got we got TRL. the Backstreet back the yeah. Backstreet Boys here today, boys. Yeah, uh, that's at Times Square, where two decades before that, you have like these you know grisly like decapitation murders and stuff happening in Times Square right. of like sex workers and stuff and. That's like kind of the normal thing. So it's changed really dramatically, um, almost like uh, Rudy Giuliani has tr- transformed uh, dramatically from uh, you know his time in Times Square in the '90s to today. Um, although I guess kind of in reverse ways, maybe. But um, yeah, so that's uh, the book of the week. It is Devil's Playground: Century of Pleasure and Profit in Times Square. James yeah, check that out. I'd also say that um, um, a series that was kind of interesting. It didn't. It didn't get picked up again. But vinyl. Did you see any of that series on HBO? I did not. Um, it's a. It, it covers like A and R record men in the in the seventies, and it and it takes place right in this sort of um, in the, this period of New York, and it and it's and it tries to sort of recapture that sort of greedy CD. Yeah. Um. Both both the music and the uh the kind of uh, uh, adult cinema. It's pretty. It's a pretty awesome like um attempt, recent attempt at to 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 play that in in long form. Uh. But yeah. So where should people be hitting us up, Matt, if they want to uh, if they want to know more about this uh, little cast? If you dare, uh, at Napalm Podcast on the Twitter. Uh, hit me up with uh, requests. Hit me up with comments, uh, and and you know, just you know, tell me about your day. Slide into Whatever. his DMs. Yeah. No, I don't. Don't do that. Just, just you know, 
Okay. Just just hit me up with a message. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're listening to this on your uh, favorite podcast delivery platform that isn't Spotify, smash that like button, smash that follow button, give us that five-star review. You know what to do. I don't need to tell you this every week. Come on. Well, for uh, Napalm in the Morning, I've been Eric. I'm Matt. I'm Troy. Bye. I love the smell of Napalm in the Morning. I bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film.